Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G science fiction fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1284 entitled The Streets Are Full of Walkers. Our podcast title is Lost in Space Aboard the Jupiter 2. Ah, I'm Rob Jan and we have Megan McHugh there. I think she is. Um, not sure about what's going on there. I don't know if I've got the right channel on. Are you there, Megan? No. <laughs> All right. Look, um, we'll get back to Megan eventually. Uh, we're going to um, do some Lost in Space content today and other things. And uh, I will just begin with a track from Lost in Space, and this is the main title. Now, I'm talking about the Netflix series here. So we'll start out with Christopher Lennertz's main title from Lost in Space. Triple R. There we go. We just had a track there from Lost in Space, which is uh, the main title theme by... Christopher Lennertz, and that is the uh, the new series, the Netflix series, which is um, dropped on Netflix for the second season recently. Now, the thing about the show is that it's got um, three seasons, but they haven't finished the third season yet. We're promised that it's coming in 2021. I do not know what's going to happen in regards to that with the, the current situation. It's... Um, a Robinson, a Robinson crisis that they cannot solve easily out there in space. Not that they have anything to worry about it. They're well, well away from us. Uh, now, I'm trying to... going to talk with Megan McHugh, our co-host today, over uh, the interstellar communications, which um, I haven't quite mastered yet for some reason. I don't know why. Uh so bear with me while we, we sort that out. But we'll continue on just a bit here. I'll give you a little bit of information that the, um, the Melbourne International Film Festival, the 69th one, which was uh, due in later this year, the iconic festival has been cancelled. I suppose that's not really all that surprising when you think about it. Uh, but nevertheless, it is a bit of a blow. Um, we need on zero-G to maintain that connection with MIF since we've been running with that since the very first episode of the show. So I'm kind of um, bummed out about that, but, you know, so say we all about so many different things. Uh, I do know that passes or memberships that you've got for the MIF for this year will still be valid uh, in 2021. So there you go. Now... The uh, the other thing about it is that um, they're still going to pick it up as the, as the 69th film festival if you're into numeration. So that's going to be kind of important as well to know where we are for that. Uh, now, 
I think uh, I will play you another track from the original Lost in Space. Actually, kind of not yes and no. Um, there's a, an actor called Bill Moomy who played Will Robinson in the original 1960s Lost in Space. And if well, I don't know if you go that far back, but you may remember that um, young Will, Bill Moomy, used to play the guitar in Lost in Space. And from that, he went on to have a bit of a musical career. You may also know him as um, Lanier from Babylon 5. And he actually does appear in the new Lost in Space series, um, playing Dr. Zachary Smith, the original at one stage. So we'll give it a shot with uh, this one, if I can get to the right track on here. I'm going to try that anyway. Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app. Yeah, we had a track there from Bill Moomy's album, Dying to Be Heard. And, of course, Bill Moomy played the original William Robinson back in the 1960s, Irwin Allen Lost in Space. He also made a an appearance in um, in the, uh, the 1990s movie and most recently in the Netflix series. He actually plays the original Dr. Zachary Smith. Well, well that's too complicated to go into. And that was from his Dying to be Heard album. Quite a bit of a musical career there. And hopefully I'm talking to our co-host, Megan McHugh. Yes, hello, I am Megan McHugh. Hey, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I've been patched in. You've been patched in. Hopefully I'm coming through. There you are. Um, As you may have gathered (laughs) over the past couple of weeks at Triple R, we've been experimenting with all sorts of um, diversionary technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm actually in the studio by myself at the moment. And um, so Megan is actually elsewhere. Yes, I'm, I'm inside my spare room. I've got my dog next to me and still on air so I can see Rob. I've got my notes. So, yeah, it's kind of sort of same but very different. I'm, I'm, I'm never on air. I, I don't like air. It promotes rust. <laughs> <laughs> actually, coming into the, into the studio today, um, and, and I actually feel privileged to be able to have a, a legitimate reason for travelling, because um, radio is a well, it's an essential surface, or at least it's a place of work that uh, we have to come to. And look, it's a very strange inversion of my usual post-apocalyptic sort of mindset. Um, I'm used to walking through pretty much deserted suburban streets, mm. and now, as I said at the start of the show, it's they're full of walkers. Yep. <laughs> People walking their dogs, walking their bicycles. Bicycles need a daily walk, and uh, and all socially distanced, which is mm, which is mm. good. That's what we need, uh, and also um, kids playing in their driveways, you know, and and they they hardly even flinch away in horror when I lumber past. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on with the world. Cats and dogs in the street living together. Oh, it's just terrible. Uh, but, um, yeah, and also noticing suburban shopping strips pretty mm. much empty as I go along uh, and definitely like the streets of the city, you know, there's people have their post-apocalyptic post-apoca- songs that they, they go to. I, I've seen some pretty good mash-up, ma- yeah, mash-ups of Sounds of Silence, you know, in empty oh, city yeah. streets. But for me, it would actually be Waltzing Matilda from um, On the Beach, you know, that sort of, mm. not that I'd ever... Dare karaoke that because it would come out croaky. 
But yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting time out there and a bit of an inversion for me because I, as I said, I'm used to those empty streets and I kind of like them like that mm. <laughs> in my strange way. So now it's like there's a crowd. My streets are crowded. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, good luck to everybody who are doing the right thing and um, trying to exercise and have a bit of fun as well while mm. keeping to our strict rules. All right, so we diverted there. Uh, one of the things I think that um, that Triple R is a radio station, and we do have Admiral. Uh, uh, I was going to say Admiral Amnesty. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. No, April Amnesty on at the moment, and of course it is entirely possible to subscribe online to Triple R. And the reason that you're doing so is apart from the fact that it's a community service, uh, there's also the fact that you're getting all of this radio and entertainment from the arts, essentially. Um, shout out to the federal government, who I'm sure are doing everything they possibly can to support artists. Oh, wait, they're not. Uh, well, bit of a failure there, I think. Mm. Mm. So it's up to uh, the world, to the individual people, to... I was going to say, I almost said clown fundus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter in these circumstances, says he raising the red balloon out of the sewer. Um, April amnesty is that, that time of year, that, uh, sort of a, a I almost like, I like to think of it as a pre-radiothon. Mm. So it's all going on at the moment. And we do appreciate when people subscribe to the station. Uh, it keeps us on air, even if it does promote rust. And it enables you to have some community interaction beyond the sort of federal level that's all influencing our lives at the moment because it's local and it's community and it's Victoria. Hmm. Hmm. So there you go. Um, now, you can go to uh, rrr.org.au to do all of that online. Don't call me up. I'm just not <laughs> going to be able to take your subscription while I've got cables. It's actually quite sci-fi, really. I've got cables spooling all over the place. I've got Megan on an iPad. Um, <laughs> so it's it's kind of like that episode of um, The Big Bang Theory where Sheldon decided that he was too fragile for the real world. And so he got he set up a, an iPad on a, um, on a robot <laughs> I need to make you some kind of standee where you can prop me and sort of have me there. <laughs> this is exactly like what it is. And, um, oh, my God, my glass lens, my spectacles lens fell out. <laughs> this is a another... true mad scientist. This You've is, got yeah, cables actually... coming everywhere. Yeah. Eyeglass pops out. And, and it's not, not the good cable that um, that enters the world from the future, like in Deadpool. I know, we're just bucking around with the procedural here at the moment. So, all right, Megan, you're going to tell us something about the um, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. Yes, so I wanted to mention another couple of bits and bobs of free content that you can access. So the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra has been doing their Keep the Music Going initiative. So basically that is around... Um, Obviously, like many arts organisations at the moment, they can't do performances and a lot of these organisations um, are facing, you know, a particular period of a bit of, of trouble at the moment, but they're keeping it going and they're live streaming performances that have already been recorded. So every Thursday at 7.30pm, they will live stream a new performance of the orchestra. Uh, well, a different performance, not a new performance. And this week the performance will be... L'Enfance du Christ, 
Um, what does that mean? <laughs> sure, something to do with Christ. What, what, and hang on, was it was it um, the infants? The no, no, okay. no, different word, slightly okay. different. So that will be on this Thursday at seven thirty, and so they're doing that for the foreseeable future every seventh every Thursday, 7.30. You can find that on their YouTube, so the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra YouTube account. Uh, they'll have those performances up. So you can put it on. You can have a little bit of classical music in your life. It's all free and it's just sort of a nice way to keep engaged. I know a lot of organisations are doing similar streams or similar video kind of um promotions, I guess, or putting out their different bits and pieces online for people to enjoy for free. So I think it's a really nice way if you can tune into that, comment, support. Um, Not everyone has money to kind of donate at this time. So maybe it's just another way of kind of showing that you're still thinking of these organisations. So every Thursday, 7.30, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. A couple of other bits of free content, uh, a couple more podcasts. So I did mention a few podcasts last week. Um, Podcasts are some really great ways of learning new things, hearing different kinds of stories. It's all free. You can get it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you you get your podcasts. So the two I did just want to mention that you can look up if they sound of interest, there's one called The 11th and it's put out by ABC Radio and it's hosted by Alex Mann. It falls within our history area on zero G. So it's the political history of the Gough Whitlam era. Um, but there's so many elements that go into that era. So it's kind of a spy thriller. It's a bit of a romance. There's all kinds of twists and turns and drama. So I've been listening to a couple of episodes of that and it's very, very engaging. There's another one, very different kind of topic, but it's called fake doctors, real friends. And it's Zach Braff and oh no, Donald Faison. And they are going back and reliving, rewatching, talking about Scrubs. And they'll have guests on from the show and reminiscing. And I think it's just a bit of fun in a time when I think I've seen a lot of this kind of content where people like that comfort throwback. I know the cast of The Nanny did a table read of the first episodes. They all got on (laughs) Zoom. So I don't know. I love that stuff. And I love um, kind of those comedy podcasts. So I haven't actually listened to that yet. So I am giving a, a wild recommendation, but I like the sounds of that. And I think it's it's nice that people are finding ways of sharing and, you know, engaging with audiences in different ways. So that's my bits and pieces. I saw the cast of Frasier get online as well together. See, another great, another great comfort watch. So I might have to look that one up actually. But uh, yeah. Scrubs was one of my uh, go-to sitcoms for a while. Absolutely, same. I think um, I think a relive, rewatch of that is definitely on the cards during this time. So, mm. and especially as well, it's a good reminder that there are a lot of medical professionals out there and healthcare workers, and we are thinking of you. And I know it's just a show, but it's just a reminder to us that people are working really hard at the moment, and we appreciate you. I was listening to one of our other shows on Triple R Radiotherapy on Sunday. Mm. Um, you know, there are lots of different brackets. Everybody has their own favourite um, slate of shows. Uh, and for me, that Sunday morning bracket, you know, it's got Radiotherapy, it's got Einstein so at Gogo, uh, it's got Eat It. Yes, love a good food show. I go yeah. to the food trivia that Cam runs. Yeah. I used to go to the food trivia. Yeah, so um, shout out to them too. And listening to Radiotherapy, because at the moment they're very much on point. Mm-hmm. And they were providing lots of um, interesting information about the pandemic, which I, I found particularly useful. It's good to be informed, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
Um, and, and speaking of the community of Triple R, we've had a couple of emails uh, and messages and because they, they come in from different angles. So it's like it's, it's on the email and sometimes it's on Facebook Messenger and sometimes there's a message on Instagram and they, they all sort of filter back to us. Uh, and uh, we had Tamara and Melissa and they both uh, had nice things to say about the show and nice things to say about Megan in particular because of her solo show the other week. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's much appreciated when we do get some feedback. Not mm. Not the not the uh, the squealy feedback we sometimes no. get, and actually I have noticed a few moments of that during today's show, which may be due to the fact that we've got this um, Heath Robertson sort of um, mm. lash up of cables and and screens everywhere. <laughs> we'll have to do we'll do a listen back and we'll try to iron out as much as possible. Yeah. So we'll see. I oh, don't mention iron. Don't mention Iron. I have no oh. no new Iron Man comics at the moment because um, Diamond distributors have stopped shipping. They're the ones who do uh, the shipping for comic books for DC and Marvel. Mm. Uh, that's a, an incredible blow. Although I do know that um, several of my favourite comic shops in Melbourne are still operating. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them still have the doors open. Some of them are, are mail order only. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're really in there pitching and trying to keep things running. And just yeah. because you can't get brand new comics from them, from Marvel or DC, doesn't mean you can't um, uh, get enormous quantities of other comics, which will be new to you. Mm, so, exactly. So, you know, and there's sh- shout plenty out. plenty of series that you can sort of now that you've got the time, kind of look back to and all kinds of things. Hmm. So, you know, All-Star, Minotaur, uh, Comics R Us, there's all those um, the places that have supported us um, throughout time and drained enormous amounts of cash from my wallet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Mr Tony Stark. Uh, all right, but on things that don't cost money, um, uh, we've been talking about free streaming services. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the free-to-air stations have catch-up services, of course. Yep. Uh, really extensive ones in the case of the ABC's iView. And SBS is on demand, um, yep. which is where you can catch up with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, and there's there's heaps of good stuff on SBS on demand. We've talked quite a bit about bits and pieces we've been watching on there. Hmm. And there and and of course their World Movie Channel is absolutely awesome. Mm, incredible. So much great stuff in there, including the Studio Ghibli movies as they they've been playing those along. Um, actually, just going back to Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is my most recent go to sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, last week's episode uh, was another Halloween heist one, uh, and the MacGuffin, the item of the heist, mm-hmm. was the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, they, well, they've got you now, haven't they? <laughs> they got me. They've got me in their in their bejazzled grasp there. Um, I was quite fascinated by that. Although Jake couldn't get a proper uh, licensed one, Infinity Gauntlet. Oh. <laughs> so he got this one off Russian eBay or something like that. <laughs> I'm going to have to catch up on my 99. I yeah, think. definitely worth watching that one. So, okay, so um, uh, we've mentioned Tubi, T-U-B-I, Snag, uh, Popcorn Flicks and Classics. There's the Internet Archive as well, and that's a huge resource of films and audio, documentaries, visual arts performances, all sorts of things on there. Um, When we reviewed uh, uh, the latest Invisible Man movie, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we did the backstory on that and had a look at the original movies from the 30s and uh, the sequels to that. They were all on in- Internet Archive. Um, so it was great to actually be able to do that. All for free. Mm. Mm. It's, it's so great. Uh, and Megan, you told me about an app called Just Watch, which you can pop content titles into and it will then list where it's obtainable from. That's been very handy too, so thanks for that. No worries. Yeah, it's a good, it's very handy tool, Just Watch, especially if there's something you've got in mind and you can select all the services that you have access to or that you want to search in mm-hmm. and then it will spit back how you can find on what platforms you can find different things. Yeah. And now anyone with an Australian library account, um, and it might actually be beyond that for one of these things, um, has access to uh, two apps. One of them is called Beamer Film, that's B-E-A-M-A-F-I-L-M, Beamer Film, and Canopy, that's Canopy with a K. Mm, can definitely highly recommend Canopy with a K. <laughs> uh, and I think the Canopy with a K one comes through um, your library card or with your university login. Yeah, so I, from the way I used it was I am a member of the Maravanong Library Service. I plug in my card number and then that signs you up essentially and you've got access to their library of films and they have some wonderful titles on there. Hmm. So I believe as well you can always check your local library service. I know that a lot of libraries aren't open right now, but you may, if you're not already a member, be able to become a member online somehow. So it's worth checking out because um, that can get you straight through into Canopy. So. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, this, is, this is the thing. I mean, libraries shut down wholesale, at least in terms of being able to uh, borrow new books. But mm. you, if you had books out, several of the libraries are running things where you can actually return them through the return shoots. Yeah. Uh, and even like even a little corner library, and when I, when I say corner, I actually mean like one of those little free libraries on a street corner. Mm. Um, a little COVID-19 sign on it saying... No books. Oh, yeah. Actually, books are, books are really hard to um, to sanitise safely. Mm. Very porous, I guess, all the pages. Yeah. But anyway. I, um, think, I think a lot of libraries um, will hopefully still be, I haven't looked into it, lending e-books and things though. So that's probably worth looking into because I know you can borrow e-books from libraries. Can you do it so, online? I'm pretty sure you should be able to, but mm. um, like I said, I haven't looked into that. So maybe I'll have a little look into that and I can give some more details next week. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm very much aware that just being able to stream stuff uh, is an entitlement kind of thing. You mm, know, not yeah. everybody can do that. So No, exactly. So we, we're falling back onto our um, own resources. I mean, it's like, it's sort of like fallback positions. There's, um, you know, you've got your DVD collections, your, your, your vinyl collections, the CDs, that sort of, that sort of format and books, of course. Exactly. I've got a strange mishmash of Blu-rays and DVDs here. Might delve into that and see what's on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I was also talking about uh, Beamer film, which, um, I, I just checked out their sort of, uh, genre, um, kind of collection. They had Predestination, Let the Bullets Fly, uh, Cargo, the um, the zombie movie that's set in Australia, uh, oh. um, the old uh, 1970s um, animated uh, adaptation of Beowulf, which is called Grendel, Grendel, Grendel. Philip Adams had a lot to do with that one. Um, even the original like 1930s um, Alexander Corder uh, Things to Come, which shows up a lot on um, on these sorts of uh, 
open kind of uh, streaming sites because it's like public domain now. <laughs> uh, they had the Aussie films um, The Babadook. Uh, oh. Yeah. And also Orlando. Um, okay. Tula nice. Swinton. The original Nosferatu. Fritz Lang's M. Uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So there's a, quite a few Ooh. things that you can get on those ones to watch. That if you haven't watched them, then now's the time. Um, documentaries as well. Remember when we reviewed that futuristic one about called 2040? Mm, mm. Mm, about what kind of world we could uh, live in in that era if we did a few things right. Well, that w- that's on there too. And another documentary that we uh, we did an interview with um, Fallout, which is about um, uh, on the beach. You know the, oh, uh, yes. the the filming of um, that nineteen sixties movie. And I think not only can you you can uh, either have your library card and um, and log in automatically, but you can also get um, uh, like a free trial as well with those ones. And uh, it's also possible to rent movies too off of that. Very, very low fees, like I think that's sort of $1.99 kind of thing. Mm, mm. And the the Canopy with a K um, right now includes the film's Prospect, which is a science fiction space film, Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> Nicolage. <laughs> There's a nine nine joke there. And the killing of a sacred deer. Oh, uh, oh, that's a interesting one. Colossal. <gasps> that was a great one. We both enjoyed that. Yeah. So there are lots of different ways to um to get around through there. All right. Now, Megan, you're gonna tell us next about a um a show called mm-hmm. Devs. Devs. And that's yes. by someone we know well. Yes. So Devs is a new mini series. So there are eight episodes. It actually has not fully aired. So there's only seven episodes out with the most recent one coming out yesterday. So I've still got the conclusion there. So I haven't watched it all. I've watched about half, but I thought I would report a bit on my thoughts anyway, because I can't talk too much about much of the plot because the whole part of it is watching it unfold. So it's called Devs. It's a Hulu series, which obviously we don't have that here. So it's on Foxtel. Um, I actually got it through the Google Play Store and you can get it on the Apple Store as well, because I really like the creator. And so I was like, look, I'm taking a punt with this. So it's created by Alex Garland, who we know from, he did Ex Machina. And he also did Annihilation. So those are both films that are probably up up there with some of my faves. Um, so Ex Machina, of course, was the one about AI and Annihilation was based on the book by Jeff Vandermeer, which was about the kind of a biological, it gets into some strange existential things, but um, kind of a biological area that was showing some anomalies, let's say. So it's a very new series, like I said. Uh, This one stars, I'll talk a bit through the cast of characters and then I'll tell you a little bit about the show itself. So what got me interested is from watching the trailer, you can tell right away it's very moody tone, very atmospheric, lots of kind of droney music in the background. And it's certainly one of those, it's a tech thriller, but it's based around sort of the themes Garland likes to talk about a lot, like not necessarily about tech, but about what tech and the possibilities of tech say about humanity. So the characters we've got, we've got Lily Chan, who's played by Sonia Mizuno. So she was in both Ex Machina and Annihilation, and she was also in Maniac, the Netflix series. Um, 
Nick Offerman is also in it. He plays Forrest. Now, I can't recall really seeing him in many dramatic type roles. He's known quite well for Parks and Rec, obviously. He was also in Fargo. Um, he was in The Good Place and Good Omens. So we've seen him before, but mostly I know him for his comedy work. But he's really playing um, – He, I should talk a bit about who they are. So he's really sort of playing the head of this tech company. Um, Jin Ha is also in it. So he plays Jamie. It looks like it's one of his first roles, actually. Um, so I probably should set the scene a little so I can tell you a little bit about who these people are. So we're looking in at a tech company called Amaya and it's a quantum computing company. So we're set a little bit in the future here and some of the concepts and things they talk about are sort of theoretical and it's sort of set in a way that these things um, we're very much talking about the impossible if we're talking in realistic terms, but they're speculative enough that we can imagine if they were re reality. So Amaya is this quantum computing company. It's pretty obviously loosely based on Google and Alex Garland went to the Google quantum computing area as part of the research for this as well. So sort of very thin layer of metaphor there, but um the basic premise of the show, and I can't talk too much about it because, like I said, there's some mysteries and twists and turns, is Lily Chan is an engineer at Amaya and her partner, her boyfriend, Sergey, who's Russian, he disappears. Now, it's, uh, it's sort of alleged that he commits suicide, but she doesn't believe that that's the case. And so thus unfolds her digging into what actually happened to Sergey. And it all sort of, all roads lead to this secretive area of Amaya called Debs. And no one really knows what they do at Debs. Um, and it's sort of very much about, it delves a bit more into quantum computing theory and things like that. I had a little look at digging around into quantum computing, quantum theory, because I found it quite interesting. But they certainly do it in the show in a way that's not, it's very palatable. It's not hard to access, but it does mean that it scrapes on some ideas that if you're interested, you could look into those a bit further. So I can't really say any more without kind of giving away the core premise of what they do at devs, which obviously I don't want to do. So Lily plays, um, she's kind of our protagonist. She's investigating this death of her partner, Sergey, who's played by Carl Glusman. He was also, he's been in sort of more indie type films. He was in Nocturnal Animals, Neon Demon, um, a few other bits and bobs. Also working at this company, so Nick Offerman, who plays Forrest, he kind of heads up Amaya, so he's their CEO, he's kind of their head honcho. Um, he also has sort of um, the muscle, who's played by Zach Grenier. <laughs> the muscle. <laughs> the muscle. Um, but I kind of, I like it similar to... Um, I can't remember his name now, the guy from Breaking Bad. He's sort of this older guy. He's obviously got a past where he was doing maybe some more hands-on stuff, but he um, – Oh, you mean Mike? Yes, yes, sort of similar to that um, in, in my eyes. So this – this the muscle, Kenton. So he was in Brain Dead. He's been in Deadwood. Um, he, I know him from the show The Good Wife. Um, oh, so you've just given me an idea. Imagine what a show, a crossover show, Brain Dead would, would be. Oh, I would watch that. I would absolutely watch that. Um, and Forrest also has a right-hand woman called Katie, and that's she's played by Alison Pill, who we know quite well because she was in Picard, she was in Hail Caesar, she was in Snowpiercer. 
um, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Midnight in Paris. So we've seen her in quite a lot of things. She's a very recognisable face. So the kind of vibe of the show is very much (laughs) on our Skype. Rob is distracting me with his his gestures. Um, The premise of the show, it's very much a slow burn. So... I could probably count off the events that happen um, in the first half of the series on one hand, but the whole point is that we've got a lot of lingering shots, a lot of heavy music, a lot of kind of – it's very interesting though. I like I quite, I quite like the mood of the show. It's very heavy, I guess. Well, we know so, that, we know that um, Alex has got a, a habit of doing strange uh, mm. media. And um, does this sort of live up to that? Very much so. So it has the same quality of a sort of very solitary, uh, I think both Ex Machina and Annihilation, they're very much character pieces, but they're set in this very um, kind of empty space. And then it just seems it's very tense atmosphere, very lonely. These characters kind of walk through these scenarios and these kind of landscapes and it's all kinds of things unfold, but very slowly, but also very, they're very important things that unfold. So it's weird. I think there's some elements of it that I didn't love how they executed, but I, like I said, I haven't finished the show yet. So I've still got to watch half of it, but I'm very engaged. I don't think it'll be for everyone. I think some people, it could probably easily be described as quote unquote, like a wanky show. I mean, it's about quantum computing, but I think some of the ideas, like I said, I like how Garland really makes it about people, but they're within this umbrella of these crazy tech Uh possibilities, quote unquote. I think as well, some of the Silicon Valley stuff and kind of the inside of these companies and that life as someone who works in development, I think I found that all quite accurate. I mean, except you can't just look at code and know exactly what it does right away. But obviously the tech scenario is something that's very much in the future. Hmm. And that's kind of where the fun begins in watching the story and also watching kind of what's going to happen. And I was surprised that they talk, they kind of reveal what devs is quite early, but so I'll be interested to see how he builds on the suspense of that and where that kind of goes, because I think there's probably I think we're still building up to something. So I'm intrigued. I'm okay. My interest has been, you know, grabbed. So I don't know. I, it won't, like I said, it won't be for everyone. But uh, if you like his stuff, it's probably very similar to what you would expect to come from him. So if you liked Annihilation, if you liked Ex Machina, it's very much firmly. He's doing what he knows. Where is it? How many episodes? So eight episodes, um, only seven released, but so the next one should be out in one week's time or so. So, you know, you can probably catch up pretty quick. I got it through the Google Play Store. Um, you can also get it at the Apple Store or Foxtel if you have Foxtel. Right. Um, so Devs, it's called. You can also look up the trailer. That gives a pretty good approximation of the tone of the show as well. So if, if you find that appealing, it'll be for you. If you think it's a bit droney and weird and doesn't look interesting, then it's a fair approximation of the show, so maybe it's not for you. It sounds, so. No, it sounds like me, actually, a bit drony weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, techno-thriller, I don't know. what Does it appeal to you? What do you think? There's been a few shows like that 
You know, that's that mm-hmm. kind of one, especially the focusing on coding and computers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the Hackers movie. There uh, mm. have been quite a few over the years. So it it can go either way for me. You know, like yeah. like I could not watch a show called like like something like Twitter where it's all <laughs> just Twitter feeds and stuff, yeah. you know. But I think this would appeal to you because it's much more about theoretical ideas mm. and much more about the quantum physics elements and things like that. Okay. I think I think that might appeal. Of course, because uh, I'm such a master of quantum physics. <laughs> or maybe I'm not. <laughs> or maybe I'm both at once. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, so. I don't know. I think I I I find it pretty interesting. I I mean, because there was that um, day. There's a Day Vegas book called The Circle, and there's, there was a film called The Circle. But I was bored to tears by the film The Circle. <laughs> um, I didn't even finish watching it. So I think you know. I think you can have a good idea, but the execution is pretty important. And I think mm. Garland is grade A execution. So yeah. Well, let's have a bit of music from um, Annihilation. Uh, which had a great soundtrack, um, ben, Salis- ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, approaching the Shimmer. Hi, this is Corey McAbee from Stingray Sam and the American Astronaut, and you're listening to Zero G on 3RRR FM. He does the things that folks don't do that need to be done. Mm, and pressing buttons is what needs to be done at the moment. Uh, now, um, we've talked about... Uh, one streaming show? Mm, yes, mm. Debs. And now we're going to talk a little bit, um, I mean, another. also future focus, Lost in Space. Yeah. Now, we, we reviewed uh, the Netflix series, the reboot of Lost in Space back in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched about three episodes, I think, the usual sort of flyby. Um, toe dip. Toe dip. And... I just wanted to revisit it recently because it was sitting there in my um, watch list. Your list. Yeah, the massive watch list. And I was thinking, you know, I kind of enjoyed that. It had some issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll circle back to it. Is it because you were, you'd really gotten high on Picard and then you wanted more space adventure? Yeah, and it was it was right there as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I did go back to it. Now, you know, the, the um, Lost in Space essentially is inspired by the 1812 novel Swiss Family Robinson mm-hmm. by Johann David Weiss. Um, I've actually read that a few times when I was a kid. Uh, it was great. Like the, 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 the Robinson family are marooned on a, a tropical island. They've got their, um, their, uh, their ship that's wrecked on a reef. And um, they were able to access that ship for supplies. It was actually a bit of a, an easy kind of a, um, a maroonment because uh, it was all there, like that a shop there. They had some interesting problems along the way. But the idea of marooning a, a family out there somewhere obviously had some play. There was a, a series of Gold Key comics in 1962 called um, Space Family Robinson, which dealt with, um, again, a family lost in space aboard a space station. Um, Now, that idea was kind of taken with and run by um, a television writer called Hilda Boham, who did The Cisco Kid, 
And so they wrote up a, a treatment. And Erwin Allen came along, and he's he was known for Land of the Giants. Well, this is a, the, I'm mixing up the timelines a bit here. It doesn't matter. Land of, Land of the Giants, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea in the Time Tunnel, um, and now Lost in Space. So he did this uh, three-season series. It was very popular. It's got all those iconic moments in it. Uh, you know, Danger, Will Robinson with the B-9 robot, um, the flying saucer like Jupiter 2, um, the heroic Major West, who was the pilot of the ship, uh, you know, the, 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 the family that they had. It, it, all worked, um, it all worked quite well back in the day. So um, it didn't last longer than three seasons. It wasn't my favourite series ever. Uh, mm. It had its whimsy to it. Uh, I suspect I probably liked it better as a child. Yeah. Uh, but I, I soon, you know, found Doctor Who and Star Trek and, you know, mm. all the more sophisticated ones. Yes. Um, it has its place in my heart. Um, <laughs> but I really actually liked the first season more than the other seasons of that because I actually played it seriously and then they decided to camp out in space a lot, so to right. speak. Right. It lost the tone that it had mm. – that worked. The, the other tone is not so bad if you look at it in the same way as you might have enjoyed the 1960s Batman. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's a time and a place for that for sure. Hmm. So this one is, is um, still a family show, actually. Mm. Still quite watchable as a family show. Runs about the level of Star Wars, I think, at some stage. Um, and I don't mean that in a, a crappy dialogue way because the dialogue's actually really good. Um, <laughs> And so I, I finished off watching the first season of The New Lost in Space. Uh, there, there were 10 episodes in the first season and 10 in the second season. And mm-hmm. then, then, we, then we drove, we binged through the, uh, the next season. Yep. Um, everything that uh, was evident in the first season, like each, each episode has multiple cliffhangers in it, which is kind of like the original series, actually. They used to do each episode ending on a cliffhanger. Um, that would lead directly into the next, like Gosh, a serial. Gosh, that'd be exhausting. <laughs> it was. And it actually, it's actually the stuff of um, of many jokes throughout the series, like, uh, oh, you Robinsons, you know, <laughs> in, uh, Don West at one stage says, is there a problem? Why am I even asking that? Of course there's a problem. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they do actually deserve a, a break and they do get one between the first and the second season. There's this, like a seven-month hiatus that they uh, they put on air, like, you know, seven months later. Oh. <laughs> so, so basically it's a, it's a colony ship called the Resolute that's on its way to Alpha Centauri. Earth is fairly stuffed up, um, space cold, no doubt. And, um, and, they're, and they're using these small craft called Jupiters. So these are like little flying saucer type uh, uh, ships that uh, the, are the landing vehicles for the Resolute, which is not meant to enter a planetary atmosphere, not meant to, but, you know, things happen along the <laughs> way. And the Robinson family are um, the ones who are uh, in control of the Jupiter 2, one of the, one of the ships. The, the, uh, the family is very similar. There's um, uh, Maureen and John Robinson, the parents, um, Judy and Penny and Will Robinson, the kids. Um, the uh, the big thing about this show is the female characters are so much um, given so much more freedom and latitude to work with than the original ones were. None of them, none of them are combined to the space laundry or kitchen uh, as they were <laughs> in the original. Um, often, and in fact, um, Maureen Robinson 
played by Molly Parker from Deadwood, uh, who was the formidable Mrs. Uh, the widow Alma Garrett, I think, um, in that show. She is uh, the aerospace engineer and pretty much the person who's in charge of the Jupiter 2. John Robinson's a former Navy SEAL, and even that, even that does not give him enough grunt to stand up to Maureen. Uh, Love it. <laughs> and so the show is a science fiction show, so they constantly get into situations that, are, that require engineering and scientific solutions. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and, and to lesser degrees, the, degrees, the other characters are also um, good at, at coming up with tech solutions. Uh, sometimes they're not so good and that causes friction. And this is the other thing about the family dynamic in this show. It's really great. I'm actually quite mm. heartened watching it. It's they, They've got the normal bickering dysfunction of a family, but they are not a television dysfunctional family. Yeah. Uh, so it's really encouraging just to see that. Um, I would have loved this show as it is as a kid, I reckon. Uh, yeah. And now even though I can see there's a, f- a few minor little things as they go along, I'm really en- I really enjoyed the first two seasons. Okay. We've got... So I'm quite, I'm quite glad we decided to pick up watching this show. Um, I'm enjoying it more than the original series. Okay. I, I, well, I will yeah. say. Um, and what well, they've got done with this is a really clever idea. The robot, they've given uh, the robot a backstory of being an alien machine. Oh. And that's completely opened things up and it's quite yeah. intriguing. I know you use that word a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is very intriguing to follow that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're really leaning into the whole Swiss family Robinson DIY determination to adapt and overcome. And I really appreciate that. It's what I want in a science fiction series. So it's a bit okay. space opera, but it's also a bit space procedural. Okay. Well, it sounds like it's really grabbed you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun show. And, it, okay. and they do navigate through some familiar space previously explored on the original series. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, you can, if you're familiar with the old show, you can notice these moments and touchstones. Um, of course, they have a, a ground vehicle called the chariot. Hmm. Um, you know, of course, they have uh, uh, problems with fuel, and they have to try and um, uh, find some on a planet. And you know, these are all very familiar from the original ones. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, Parker Posey which I know sounds like a Marvel comic superhero name, but it's the actress who <laughs> plays uh, the villainous Dr. Smith in this. Mm. Um, I don't know which of the paths that she's on, socio or psycho, but she's galloping down them. And she's got this really <laughs> weird body English that, that okay. complements the character. Um, and, yeah, I know in real life you would have kicked her out of the airlock in the first five minutes because she's not <laughs> trustworthy, but that's, you know, the story. And and the production values are incredible. The spacesuits, the costumes, the ships, the vehicles, uh, all of the special effects are great. Um, it's really one of those shows to watch uh, and, and think this is like movie-grade stuff, you know, so that, that, that interested me as well. Um, I like the character of Judy. She's a, a doctor in this. Uh, or at least um, an intern. She's very close to being a doctor. And, and, you know, she shows frustration because she's being treated like an intern after all of her field experience with the Robinsons. Mm. But she's still a leader in her own right. Um, (laughs) And there's Penny, who's got all of the snark in the show. And she's actually brilliant. (laughs) She's really good at it. She's living in the shadow of her older sister and smart younger brother. 
but you know it's still quite awesome in itself. Uh, and John, the former Navy SEAL, who's in the useful supportive role in this show. Okay. But because he's a SEAL, he was a SEAL, he's he, he's able to adapt and overcome with the best of them. But he actually defers to Maureen uh, in okay. scientific matters most of the time because <laughs> they're, not, they're <laughs> not perfect, these people. They're definitely not mm. perfect. Uh, Don West, who's not a family member but becomes part of the extended family, um, he's, he's actually in the lovable rogue role. Uh, and and they've given him a, a pet, Debbie the chicken. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> this, this was a colony ship. So they have all horses on this ship. Wow. You know, which provide alternative transport. Um, yes, Bill Mooney from the original Lost in Space makes an appearance. Um, and uh, so do certain others. And they also um, are using the names of the actors from the original show as character names. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's a nice... It's a, it's a very nice touch. Um, so, yeah, two seasons. There is a third season. Look, I have no idea, rather like the Robinsons, when it will land because of the situation. Mm. Uh, I do know it's produced in Canada, so, you know, maybe a little bit more free of the, the nightmare that the United States is um, becoming in terms of its COVID-19 response. But, uh, you know, who knows? We, I, I reckon maybe late 2021 for the third season, but there's mm. more than enough to watch at the moment. Although you get that, you know, that thing when you know that there's going to be a long, long wait for the next yeah. series. Yeah. Yep. That can be an issue with some of these things. So anyway, Lost in Space, two seasons on Netflix at the moment. And um, when we um, come back next week, maybe I'll play you some more music from the show. Mm. Some fun bits. And some pieces. moody space music. Mm. And I'm learning lots of stuff from it too. They, they talk about a, a natural wonder on Earth, which is called the something or other uh, beacon. And it's actually a, a persistent lightning storm that you can actually almost like set your watch by. Ooh. And I never heard of that. That's actually on Earth. Wow, um, okay. Was it... Venezuela or Uruguay? <laughs> I can't remember at the moment, but anyway. So I looked that up and that's actually called the, uh, the, the Katumbo Lightning. Cool. Um, so in Venezuela, there we go. Um, so, you know, it's, it's educational. What more can you ask? <laughs> really, you really dug it. I might have to give it another shot. Mm, a space shot, that is. Mm. Well, that's about it for Zero G coming up next with Astral Glamour with Joe Brunatic. Thank you to Simon Winkler for helping us with some tech support today. <laughs> yes, thank you, Simon. Yeah. Thank you for helping patch me in. Yeah, as we navigate through the uncharted reefs of the pandemic. And, uh, yeah. Thank well, you, Rob, for patching me in as well. I know you've had a bit of extra sort of hassle on your <laughs> end, but it's it's good to know we can we can do this. And I can still see you. I feel like I'm in the console. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it's been good. You're the ghost in the machine today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So that's it for Zero G today. And we'll go out with a David Bowie track for today. I took a trip on a Gemini spaceship. Gemini twos twins jupiter two so there you go for zero g for today g'day this is rob jan thanks for listening to the podcast of triple r's zero g a weekly radio show exploring science fiction fantasy and historical zero g is broadcast live on triple r from melbourne australia every monday Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.